All right, we're a little bit more than 24 hours away from the 2022 NBA draft and the Pacers and one of the biggest selections in franchise history. Welcome to the Tony D Podcast. James Boyd, my buddy from the Indianapolis Star, is going to break it all down with us. I'm going to ask him all the hard-burning questions because I know everybody out there, you're either in love with Miles Turner or you're ready to see him get the hell out of Dodge. So we're going to talk about all that and more. As always, thank you to Flooring is Forever. Flooringisforever.com, 317-755-1246. Flooring is Forever has you covered with over 20 years of experience here in Indianapolis. If you're looking to upgrade the home, your home with new flooring, check them out online at Flooring is Forever, flooringisforever.com. Harley and the gang, great friend of mine. They will take care of you. And look, I love Jaden Ivey. We're going to talk about maybe the movement that can happen there. Uh, I'm not as high on Chet Holmgren. I think that if he slides a little bit, the Pacers would probably be in love with them and pull the trigger, but I certainly am not. I do want to see possibly Johnny Davis here. Uh, if you can get that six and that tenth pick and get a get a Keegan Murray or Matherin or and then at ten get a Johnny Davis or a Shaden Sharp or a Dyson Daniels. Um, you know, if you can end up with that six and that tenth pick, we'll talk about that too. How that could happen. Uh, that would be a pretty good draft. And then there's a lot of importance in that 31st pick as well if they do indeed decide to keep that just outside of the first round, that second round pick where you could pay for second round money but get first round talent. The UPS store in Fishers off of Oleo Road right outside of the Kroger has everything you need to ship and help your small business grow. Check them out today, upsstore.com, the UPS store in Fishers. Uh, I know my buddy Doug wants Jay Nivey somehow. I think the Pacers would have to trade up for him uh, if that were to happen. Thursday night, the NBA draft and the Indiana Pacers selecting sixth overall as of right now. They also have a few other picks throughout the draft coming up on Thursday. But joining us from the Indianapolis Star at Romeoville Kid on Twitter, my buddy James Boyd with us. James, thanks for uh, hopping on here in such a crazy, chaotic time before the NBA draft. Yeah, crazy and chaotic is definitely no way to describe it. Obviously, there's a lot of things that could happen for the Pacers. And obviously, this is a huge offseason for them. And this is the first domino of that offseason. Yeah, I mean, when you look back on, on the, the history of the Indiana Pacers, Reggie Miller, who was drafted on this day back in, I believe, 1987, is this the most important draft that the Pacers have had since that day? Most likely. I mean, you look at just how the franchise has kind of been built. They've always been sort of this model of consistency over the years. And when you're talking about having your first single-digit pick since 1989, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that, that's a quite a big deal. So obviously you want to – um, strike gold with the number six pick and perhaps make some other moves to really get your team started on a new path. There are so many different options and there's been so many different rumors. Do I ever think Russell Westbrook will ever come to Indianapolis and play? Hell no. I'm glad that they supposedly, <laughs> if that deal was even on the deal on the table to begin with, I'm glad that they said, heck no, we're not doing that. Uh, so let's start with if they do keep the number six pick coming up on Thursday night, who do you feel should be the selection? I think Benedict Matherin of Arizona should be the selection. I think he's the safest pick or maybe like a balanced pick between, you know, having pretty good upside, but also having a pretty good floor. Um, I don't think there's going to be a scenario where he's just not a good NBA player unless he's just some like extreme bust, which I just don't see. Yeah. Um, he's got the talent. He's got the skill and he's proven it. Now I know there's other guys that he might be higher on, like Keegan Murray might be better as, as a positional fit. But I do think that Matherin, with his athleticism, um, has a little more upside. And if he can really, 
you know, develop as a pick and roll type of guy, operate out of the pick and roll. He could really be a really strong, you know, uh, NBA player. And obviously everyone's talking about Shaden Sharp, you know, should the Pacers mm-hmm. on him. I do not think they should touch him. Not necessarily because he doesn't have the talent. It's just because if you miss, they're not, you know, the Pacers aren't Detroit. They aren't OKC. They're not willing to go through a four or five, six year rebuild. Like they kind of want to be good, at least since that I have in one or two years. So I think you have to pick someone with a little more certainty surrounding him. Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray right in there as well. That could be selected at six. What do you think about those guys out of Iowa and then Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin? Two two Big Ten kids that I think uh, a lot of people here locally know a lot about from watching uh, during the college basketball season. Yeah, so Keegan was interesting. He actually did work out with the Pacers. None of us knew about that. That was something we found out um, recently from Ryan Carr, the VP of player personnel for the Pacers. He revealed that in his annual uh, pre-draft press conference that, you know, they did, were able to get him in. They were able to work him out. Um, so that's good. I do think, like, if the Pacers ended up picking him, he would not be a bad choice. I mean, he fits mm-hmm. very, very well. Obviously, he was one of the best players in the country. And his game tra- translates to the NBA. Like, he's a stretch forward type. He can score in a multitude of ways. He doesn't need a lot of touches. He's efficient. And he's mature. So if you're looking to try to win now, he's that guy. And I also think that Johnny Davis might be a little bit underrated Mm-hmm. Um, I get that he's not the greatest athlete. He's not the tallest guy. But when you look at the workload that he had at Wisconsin, um, I have to give him props. I mean, his usage rate was one of the highest in the country. And he still produced 19 and 8. And I mean, eight rebounds is a 6'4", 6'5", guard in the Big Ten, no less, with a bunch of big dudes. Um, that's something to not to sneeze at. So I think that he is another guy, you know, if you trade back, um, you trade Malcolm Brogdon, if you move back and you get a number 10, get a number 11 pick, you should consider Johnny Davis. He's still on the board. Let's talk about that because there's a lot of different scenarios. And again, James Boyd from the Indianapolis Star. He covers the Indiana Pacers here locally. Uh, what does it take for them to move back maybe a few spots? Let's say you keep the six, but you 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 trade a Malcolm Brogdon. What is a likely landing spot for him? And what would you get in return? Is it Washington is at 10? Is it New York at 11? Maybe even Oklahoma City with the 12th overall pick? Yeah, I think it's the 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 – Teams that have been most linked to the Pacers are the Wizards and the Knicks just because of, like, the team dynamics. Mm-hmm. OKC already has a point guard in Shea, you know, Gilgers Alexander. Josh Giddey's also another good ball handler for them. So I would say they're out of the mix, but the Knicks need a point guard. The Wizards need a point guard. And unless one of those teams um, moves up to get, you know, the Kings pick at number four for the right to draft Jay Nivey, which I don't really see happening. I mean, I know the Kings – I mean, not the Kings. The Knicks might have a chance. I don't see the Wizards having any chance really to move up. So I think the Pacers should definitely explore, you know, talking to those teams and offering up, you know, Malcolm Brogdon and whatever other assets, um, you know, young assets, whether it's a, a second rounder down the line or something like that or, or expiring contract, something to pair with that to move uh, to move back and get a second lottery pick. I think that would be huge. One, because you get a player that's more so on the timeline of your best players, you know, Duarte's uh, mm-hmm. 25 and Halliburton's 22. Or say Brissett's 24. I mean, even Miles Turner's 26. I think Malcolm is the only one who doesn't really fit that timeline. He's going to be 30 in December. He's injury prone. And again, those teams need point guards. And they're trying to win now. Malcolm Brogdon is still a serviceable win now player. It's just, you know, are you willing to take that risk on him as injury prone player? You know, this has been talked about. I'm sure you've gotten it, you know, whether it's via Twitter or emails and such, but moving up and possibly the Pacers selecting Jaden Ivey, who obviously at Purdue last year, 
everybody knows him around here locally. Is there any chance that that happens, that they move up uh, and, and maybe snag that third or fourth pick to go ahead and select Jaden Ivey? I do think that's a possibility. I know when we talked to Ryan Carr, again, VP of player personnel, he was really high on Ivy. He was saying, you know, a guy like him who's as fast as he is, who can make an outside jump shot, he's just dangerous, and I don't know how you guard that. And that's like verbatim. He's like, I don't know how you guard that. Um, and I think, you know, as – of course, the local ties are cool, but from everything I've read, everything I've heard internally, externally, he's the like the, you know, the outside of the top three bigs. He's that fourth guy who has superstar potential. And I think the Pacers should really look at, you know, packaging the number six pick, Malcolm Brogdon, and perhaps something else to go get him. And, I, and, and I'll say this as well. If you are um, convinced that Jaden Ivey is your guy, you just go get him at whatever cost it is. Because if, mm-hmm. if he hits and he's a superstar, you know, you're, you're set for, for a decade. So I think that, you know, if he's your guy, go get him. I know he didn't work out for the Pacers, but they were in contact with him attended his pro day. He only did workouts for, um, it was actually Orlando and Detroit. So it's not like every team in the lottery worked him out and he just didn't yeah. come to the Pacers. I think that, you know, it's, and then also on top of that, he hasn't talked to the Kings. Um, yeah. Talking to him through the, through the national media Zoom, it, it sounded really awkward. You know, he, he says, you know, I don't think it would be the worst option. And I'm like, well, that sounds like it's not going to be the best option either. It's not like you don't want to go there. So we'll see what happens. But I think the Pacers should definitely, check again, you know, on some uh, friendly trade partners from the from the past and see if they're willing to, to deal again. Well, and certainly that would be Oklahoma City. Now, let me put this scenario at you. Would you do this if it was on a table? Let's say they get on the phone, they call Oklahoma City, and they say, we'll give you the number six pick and Miles Turner. You need a big man for the number two pick to then take Jaden Ivey. Is that worth it for the Pacers? I would say yes. If you think that Jaden Ivey is your guy, if you're sold on him being a star, go for it. But then also remember and just keep in mind that you're going that that to me would tell me that you're going for a long term rebuild. Uh Um, I think Miles Turner obviously benefits you right now is if you're trying to get back into that play in playoff contention in the next one or two years. But if you believe Jaden Ivey is that good, if you think he's going to be John Morant, Russell Westbrook, I know everyone's talking about Russell Westbrook now. Russell Westbrook back then was a superstar, MVP, you know, first guy to ever triple-double since Oscar Robertson. If he can be even an Anthony Edwards type of guy, you need to go get him and, and worry about the rest later because, I mean, at that point, you have your backcourt of the future and a really good, I, I think for me, a, a really good foundation to build um, the team around. You know, we talked about Jaden Ivey, but you also got Chet Holmgren and Paolo Banchero right there. I like Banchero a great deal. I think you stay away from Chet Holmgren. Your thoughts on those two players? I think Chet's a unicorn. I think what scares people the most about him is that he just – he doesn't really have a player comp. Um, yeah. There's players similar to him, but just his size, his skill. Um, there's no one really like him. Like, no, he's not Kevin Durant. He's not that type of player. But he he is very stout defensively. I like him. I think he has a ton of upside. I probably would not take him from the Pacers just because I want more of a sure thing with my first – you know, lottery pick and or not first lottery pick, but first single digit pick, you know, in over 30 plus years, I probably want more of a sure thing. I think for me, Paolo has always been number one on my big board. I think he's the most NBA ready player, mm-hmm. but still having a, a ton of upside. He's 6'10, he's got NBA body, put on the floor, he can shoot, he can score, you know, learn the game from his mom, you know, comes from a, a woman who played professional basketball. So I think all of that, you know, makes him a really intriguing prospect and someone I think is kind of been underrated, you know, the last, it seems like the last month ever since the college season ended. It's like this, this kid, you know, led Duke to the final four in coach K's final season. 
and you know, you talk about these encore things, but just dealing with the pressure of that, yeah, selling and playing well most of the time, and that speaks to how he would handle some of the pressure of being a franchise guy in the NBA. Let me ask you this: uh, I'll put you on a spot here. Come Friday morning when we wake up, is Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon still on the still on the Indiana Pacer roster? I will say that Malcolm Brogdon is not, and Miles Turner is. That is what? my theory. You know, we, we talk about this every year, and then it obviously came to fruition this past season with Sabonis being dealt to the Sacramento Kings. And we always talk about Miles. And for every one person who can't stand Miles Turner, there's another person that loves him and thinks that he's great. Um, I personally am not the biggest fan of him. I think he lives outside a three-point line a little bit too much. Everybody everybody says he's young and he's a rim protector. Well, he was the same age as Demonis Sabonis. Sabonis has made all-star games. Sabonis has had triple-doubles. My thing with Miles Turner is how many times does he block a shot, and then that's great, but then it falls right into the hand of the opposition for a quick layup, right? So what are your thoughts on Miles Turner and if he should be traded here over the next, let's say, six months? Or is this a guy that the Pacers need to say, all right, we've invested enough in you. We're going to keep you here for the next several seasons. Yeah, I think the the, the latter part of that question kind of depends on Miles, right? Like yeah. if he's not willing to sign an extension, I think you have to move on from him. Um I do think they, they would like to see a look at him and Tyrese Halliburton together on the court. And I think if you're Miles, you need to prove it. I mean, yeah. last season he kind of ruffled some feathers and basically asked for a bigger role. They got rid of Sabonis, who I was on record saying was their best player. You don't get a player like Tyrese Halliburton in return without moving on from Sabonis. I think that that trade yep. is flip-flop. You offer up Miles Turner. For Halliburton, it doesn't go down. Like I no. think, think Sabonis is the better player. But the way Miles talked to us, the way he's talked to the media, the way he's maybe talked to himself, he thinks he could be a star. He thinks he could really, you know, be a a, a lead big man. And now you have that opportunity. So um, I think that they should at least explore it and see what happens. But um, if, you know, the fit isn't that great, by all means, move on from him. He will have a ton of value. I do think he's a bit underrated by Pacers fans because, you know, everyone says move on from him, get somebody else. But, like, he does provide a lot for defense. And when he got hurt, their defense really, really struggled without him. They're one of the worst defenses in the league for the last half of the season. So I think he's really good at that. But at some point, you also have to ask yourself, is he worth, you know, those two and a half, three blocks a game? Or do you just want to, you know, strike while the iron's hot, while, while his mm-hmm. stock is still pretty high, and to get some more young assets and just move on? Well, I think a lot of the Miles haters are going to say, well, good, good numbers last year on a crap team. And then, yeah, the defensive numbers went down when he wasn't out there. But you were throwing Isaiah Jackson and Gogo Batatze couldn't guard me driving to the lane. So, you know, it's just we're going to keep hearing that, right? There's going to be this great side to Miles. And there's going to, you know, I kind of compare him a little bit to Roy Hibbert. Roy Hibbert played in, I think, a little bit different style of the NBA. But a lot of times, and, and, and you're in the locker room, James, so you tell me, a lot of times in Miles, I just feel like it's it's between the ears, right? It's 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 a mental thing for him. And when things are going great, things are going great. But when he has a string of bad games, it spirals out of control for Miles. I think that he just has to, you know, I think he uses the haters as his fuel, as he always says. Um, I think he's a very intelligent guy. I just think he kind of has to just basically like what he told us, you know, uh, put up or shut up. He's like, he's like, Hey, I'm going to show you guys. I'm going to remind you guys will remind us. Um, Cause mm-hmm. I've been saying this, he's going into his eighth season. How many guys do you know really change who they are in their eighth season? I mean, the most recent one I could think of maybe might be, you know, Andrew Wiggins, but that's just because he joined 
arguably the, the best run franchise in the NBA. I mean, yeah. who wouldn't blossom over there with Golden State? But in Miles' case, it's like, are you really going to be that much different in year eight than you were in year six or year five? I think at this point, I personally think what you are is what you are. But again, you ask for a bigger role, you'll have a bigger role. But I think if you get 10, 15 games in and it's not working, the Pacers really need to start looking like, hey, how can we move this guy? Because personally, I don't think he can be – I don't even think he could be like your second best player on a, on a really good, you know, uh, championship caliber team or, or really deep playoff team. I think he's a good third option, and, and I think that that's kind of his role in the NBA. Like even if he were to join a franchise and win a lot, I don't think they would ask him to be like their lead initiator on offense or to be their lead post player or post score. I think they would ask him to do what he's done his entire career at a high level, which is block shots and then stretch the floor. Let's just say that they go with, uh, you know, Benedict Matherin for, for the sixth pick and that's who they got. What does the starting lineup look like on opening night? Duarte, probably Miles Turner, like you say, Matherin, who are those five guys that are, they're, they're going to be taking the court buying all things go well and they are healthy. Oh, this is a good question. So you're going to have to count it out from someone like name six players. <laughs> um, so obviously Halliburton is going to have to start for me. I think yep. Matherin uh, would have to start as, as my, as my top, you know, 10 pick. I want to get him minutes and development right away. Um, obviously miles is going to slide in there. I think you can add Chris into that mix. Um, and then the four is like the most interesting spot. Um, Cause it kind of depends on who they're able to maybe bring in or bring back, but just going off guys, I know will be under contract. Um, I'm trying to think, man, this, this is hard. Cause you need some size. Like what, what, what's going on with TJ Warren? That's, 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 that's the a, thing. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like if he's back. He would be perfect, you know, to, to throw in there as a stretch four. but I don't know, maybe go, I, I would kind of be hesitant to, to, to have Isaiah and Miles out there together, yeah. mainly because they do similar things and they're a little slimmer on, on the backside. You probably want some more girth, you know, in the paint at some point. So maybe Goga. And then, and then obviously Goga's another player. It's like, if you're going to, you know, go through this rebuild or go through, you know, this young group, you kind of have to evaluate him and make a decision on him this upcoming season as well, I think. So that'll probably be like my, my starting five. And I know it doesn't sound on paper like he's going to win a lot of games, but I do think, if they will stay healthy, they at least get some continuity and you get a vision of how you want things to go. And again, you also would know miles 26. Is this going good? It's not. We can move on. Oh, it's, it is going good. We can keep him and still like, you know, he'll, he'll still have some good years left when we get really good. So I think that's the starting five. Um, but obviously like a change depending mm-hmm. on who they might pick up in free agency or even who they pick up in the second round. Cause that 31st pick yeah. is a really good one. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the value there? You got guys like uh, LaRavia, who is from Indiana, who played at Wake Forest, Ryan Rollins. Um, you know, I'm a big Kansas guy, and you, you've seen me play. I love shooting at three. So <laughs> Christian Braun is a guy that could be right there as well. I know they worked him out. Patrick Baldwin, kind of a swing guy out of out of uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, how important is that 31st pick? It's really important. Um, I actually talked to some ESPN draft analysts today, uh, actually Bobby Marks, and he was kind of explaining how – you know, valuable it is to have that 31st pick as opposed to it being 30 because you can still get a first round caliber talent, mm-hmm. but you can get it at like a discounted rate or you have more control over how the contract looks. And so that to me is is, is the biggest thing. And then on top of that, um, I think that my two favorites for that spot are Christian Braun and Jake LaRavia. Mm-hmm. I think Braun, I was impressed with Braun at the, at the combine. 
Um, he's a really athletic guy. I, I don't I don't like to use the word sneaky. Like, no, he's just straight up athletic. He can really jump. He can shoot the outside shot. Um, you know, he kind of had a and then and then again, he's an, another guy played in high pressure moments, played on the biggest stages, went to a blue blood school, kind of was unknown and blew up and didn't phase him. You know, he so he's not like he's one and done. He's developed, he's he's worked at it. He's got an NBA ready body. And I think LaRavia is, is in a similar vein. Like he went to, to Wake Forest, obviously started off Indiana State, went to Wake Forest, blew up there. And now he's looked at as potentially a late first round pick. Um, but if he slips, he will be the prototypical stretch four. He can shoot, he can play make, he can defend. I think he's more athletic than people give him credit for. And again, he's another one who has an NBA ready body right now. And to, to his credit, you know, he played three co- college seasons, but he's only 20. Yeah, he's like right. He's right around the same age as like Chad and Jaden and all these guys. So it's not like he's super old. Um, so that's something else to keep in, to consider and keep in mind. Before I let you go here, and again, James Boyd from the Indianapolis Star talking to the other Pacers and the draft coming up on Thursday night. If Miles Turner were to be traded, what is his value Thursday night, and what would it take for it to be a move that the Pacers pull the trigger on? Man, I don't know. If there's been <laughs> Charlotte, I think that you would have to, in my opinion, at least get a first round pick and, and, and a promising young talent on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would I would see how badly do you want this guy? Like it would have to be something where I'm feeling like I'm swindling you and maybe we go back and forth until we meet in the middle. Yeah. But I'm not accepting the first thing that comes across. And I think the interesting thing about this is because of the order of the draft, because there isn't a really consensus order on like the top, you know, five or six guys. Um, outside of that top three, you know, it, it could kind of switch up. I think it, we could really see some things kind of change in real time. I know we yeah. talked about Carr, and he was saying, like, we have contingencies in place for all these things. Because in rumors of OKC, you know, and Shaden Sharp, OKC and Jade Nivey. So if things kind of change on the front end, it could have also change what's on the back end in the direction of the team in regards to the Pacers. So I think it, at minimum, you should get a first-round pick and a player, a young player that could help mm-hmm. you right now um you know with your team yeah it's going to be exciting um look we the the pacers although they weren't very good last year they were entertaining i mean there were some guys that were kind of playing for their for their livelihood so to speak uh now with that being said i never want to go back down that road again as a pacer fan uh especially here in Indianapolis, where you know i know you spent some time in chicago you spent some time in northwest indiana where i'm from you know the thing with the pacers is is if the Colts are doing bad, everybody's ready to jump to the Pacers bandwagon. And it's very rarely we see both the Colts and the Pacers doing well and keeping that fan base. So, um, you know, the, it's, it's, I don't know if you've, I don't think you've been here for it, but there's just something incredibly awesome about Pacers and racers when it's the month of May and there's activity at the track and you're going to Pacer games at night, and watch them in the playoffs. So hopefully we can back to that sooner rather than later. We don't, I'm not going to get into ownership and where everybody else stands. We can do that midseason when we get down the line. But I appreciate you joining me. I know you do great work over at the Indianapolis Star at Romeoville Kid on Twitter. Um, we'll, 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 we'll start playing some hoop again here once this, this, this dies down before uh, Summer League gets going in the next couple of weeks. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate you for having me on. And obviously there's some big, uh, big decisions coming up. I'm glad I don't have to make all right, thank you to James Boyd of the Indianapolis Star. Be sure to join him uh, during the draft tomorrow. He will be live on Twitter at Romeoville Kid. Uh, he is a 
Illinois native, spent some time in the region where I'm from up there in northwest Indiana. Uh, we kind of met through that and, and, and Twitter, and I invited him out to play some hoop. He can actually ball. He's a really good basketball player. We've played together uh, on several occasions. Probably gets frustrated when I shoot it too much, but it is what it is. So big thanks to him. All right, we've got a test coming up from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Thursday. So check out Burnout Sports and BurnoutSports.com for the latest with that. Um, the IndyCar Show with myself and Luke Edwards. That is up right now on BurnoutSports.com. And we will keep rolling. We'll come back and see what the Pacers do. Maybe we'll have James hop back on and kind of just react to what we see and what goes down, what shakes down Thursday night in the NBA draft. As always, thanks to Flooring is Forever and the UPS store in Fishers. Be sure to follow at Burnout Sports and at Tony D. Indy. Have a great one.